Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 25 and 26 is where we're going to be this morning, continuing to go through this book of Jeremiah. Two verses, and this is what they say. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. This is the word of God. Thank you for coming. Please be seated. Father, I ask that you would please help us as we look into your word now. Lord, we're looking into the truth, and truth that you gave to your people thousands of years ago. It is still so very relevant today. Its principles are eternal. They apply even to us today, Lord. These principles are godly principles. Lord, I pray that you would not only help us see what this meant to the people of this day, but then, of course, help us to see what this means to me and you, Lord, uh, all your people today. So, Father, I pray that you would please open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Please help us to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit and give us grace then to walk in obedience to what he impresses upon our hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. The title of the message this morning is, Which is Better, The Sign or What It Signifies? Which is better, the sign of a thing or what it signifies? That's what the Jews were stumbling in, as we're going to see, and that's what we sometimes stumble in as well. Question. What if you said to an old, wounded veteran, a man who still faithfully flies the flag, still wears the hat, as we see some veterans do in Walmart and things like that, displays his medals that he earned from the military service, displays those in his home, and cries every time he hears the national anthem. What if you said to him, you don't really love America? You don't love America. I think you're a phony. I think you're a fraud. And second question. What if you said to a couple, what if you told this couple, a couple who not only had multiple biological children of their own, what if you also said to that couple who had also, let's say, adopted multiple children as well, maybe even handicapped children, children who were sort of unadoptable, it seems, by the rest of the world, what if you said to that family who was committed to raising them, nurturing them, helping them, making sure they had all that was good and bright for their future, who purposefully did without for the sake of sacrificing for the welfare of your children, of their children? What if you told them, you don't really love children? I think you're just putting on a show. I think maybe you're just even doing this for the tax benefits, perhaps. You are false. (laughs) Well, saying those things to those type of people would really cut them to the heart. And why is that? Why would it? Well, because they're completely and thoroughly committed and they've completely and thoroughly surrounded their lives to this one thing, 
that they really identify themselves with strongly. They really believe in it. It's a part of their daily lives. That's why what the Lord says through Jeremiah today would be so very scathing to the Jews of Jeremiah's day. It would be like saying what you said to the patriot, be like what you said to those people who were making huge sacrifices for their own children. It would be the equivalent of that. We know that from this too. Look at verse 26 of our text. I know I've skipped verse 25, but I just want to focus on this first of all. Notice he lumps them in. He says, Egypt, not a Jewish nation, Judah, a Jewish nation, Edom, not a Jewish nation, the sons of Ammon, Moab, all who dwell in the desert, not Jews. He puts them in the same list with all these other people who are non-Jews, not the covenant people. He throws them in all that same list. And it says, by the way, who cut the corners of their hair. What's that about? Well, that was a pagan thing long ago. If you, were, if you shaved the corners of your hair, the sides of your head, that was to show, hey, we follow this false god, and you can just look at us and see. If you ever wonder why Orthodox Jews, you know the Orthodox Jews over in Israel, black hats, black clothes, have you noticed they have long, curly locks coming down? You know why that is? This command, where God told them long ago, don't shave the corners of your head so that you won't appear like those who worship false gods. So the Jews, the Orthodox Jews of today say, not only do we not shave the sides of our heads, we grow it out super long to show just how we don't identify. So if you're ever wondering why they did that, now you know. And so that's why it's so scathing that the Lord would lump Judah in with this list of people. It'd be like saying to the patriot or to the people that make all the sacrifices, you don't really love what you say you love. You're false. Listen to what Matthew Henry said about that list. It would affect one to find here Judah industriously put between Egypt and Edom as standing upon a level with them under the same doom. These nations were forbidden to share in the Jews' privileges. He's talking about Deuteronomy uh, 23, where a certain people group were told they're never going to come in to this people. He says, but the Jews are here told that they shall share in their same punishments. It's because the Jews had the sign, but not the thing it signified. That's why. They had the sign of the covenant. They had circumcision, but they did not have the thing that it signified. They had the sign of the covenant, but rejected the God of the covenant. This section is largely about the covenant sign of circumcision, as we're going to see throughout this whole sermon, and the fact that the Jews were trusting in their Jewish traditions instead of in God's Truth, But notice that we begin with the topic of punishment. Did you see that? Look what it says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. So that's the, the main verb of this section. God is going to punish them who are just merely circumcised in the flesh. Now, 
I want to make something very clear. God's not saying, because you didn't join the God Club, you're going to be punished. Because you're not, you know, because you don't really like me so much, I'm going to punish you. People that don't like me, I just punish them. No, it's not that. It's their wickedness. He's the judge of all the earth, and that's why he will punish sin wherever it's found. It's not just, you're not in my club, therefore you're out. It's, your sin has not been taken care of. You've not come to me for the only atonement for sin that's ever provided on planet earth, ever. That's why you will take your own punishment. So that's what it's about. You need to know that. That's why punishment is coming. Another quote from Matthew Henry here. I just I started with his commentary, and it was so good, I, I just stuck with it, okay? <laughs> Listen to this. This is good. As the ignorance of the uncircumcised shall not excuse their wickedness, so neither shall the privileges of the circumcised excuse their wickedness, but they shall be punished together. What's he mean? as the ignorance of the uncircumcised shall not excuse their wickedness. He's talking about what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 1. No one on the day of judgment will be able to stand before God and say, oh, what is this? I had no idea. First of all, God, I had no idea there was any such thing as right and wrong. Neither did I have any idea that there was even some deity up there ever. So because of those reasons, I can, I can go, right? Right? No. God has given every man two things. Number one, natural revelation. According to Romans chapter 1, he says we're all without excuse because of the things created. You can look at the creation and say, okay, this, this didn't come from man. Something created this. I even had an unsaved friend long ago who told me, this is back when, oh gosh, I was still a teenager. I'd just become a Christian, though. He said, you know, I was looking up at the sky the other day, and I, I had the thought, something made this. There's got to be a God up there. See, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the works of his hands. Psalm 19 tells us that. So that's the first reason we're without excuse. Like he says here, the ignorance of the uncircumcised shall not excuse them. Also, secondly, man's given, God's given to man a conscience. A conscience that comes from two Latin words, con, which means with, and the Latin word scientia, which is where we get the word science. Knowledge. So every time you do something wrong, it's with the knowledge that it's wrong. Man, man just knows without having to even be told murder is wrong. Do you know, that's why polygraphs work. You know what a polygraph is? We call it a lie detector test. There's a physical reaction that happens in your body when you lie. A physical reaction. And machines can pick up on that. You know why? It's because we know that we know that we know it's wrong to lie. All men have a conscience. Even when he lies, his heart flutters slightly. He knows it's wrong. He knows it. So that's why he says, as the ignorance of the uncircumcised shall not excuse them in their wickedness, he says this, so neither shall the privileges of the circumcised excuse their wickedness. They shall be punished together. Doesn't matter. 
what religious privileges he participated in. They do not excuse wickedness. They don't. Let's talk about circumcision then, because you may know nothing about it. If you know absolutely nothing about it, well, just say, don't Google it. Just ask someone. <laughs> but it was a command. It was a command by God himself in sacred scripture, Genesis 17. I just want to start there. Don't worry. I won't dwell long there. Genesis 17. Verses 9 through 14. This is where this comes in. God makes a covenant with Abraham. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. And a part of that was the sign of circumcision, what it meant to be a part of this covenant of God where he says, you're my special people, and this is how everyone's going to know it, and you're going to follow my ways, and, and this is the sign of that. Look at verses 9 through 14 of Genesis 17. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between you and me. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. So it was a sign of the covenant, and it was in the flesh on purpose and on really on purpose, the most intimate part of you. That was a part of the sign. God commanded circumcision. Secondly, God took it very seriously. He actually says at the end of that, if you're uncircumcised as a part of his people, you shall be cut off from his people because you've broken the covenant, is what he says. That's how seriously he took it. And we see in Moses' life... Remember this? It's, it happens so quickly in Exodus chapter 4. But God took it very seriously. God calls Moses, go, say to Pharaoh, let my people go. He makes all these excuses why he can't do it. So he shows him signs and he says, you're going to go. And he's finally convinced and he starts to go. And in the very next verse, it's really strange, but the very next verse we get, and the Lord set out to kill Moses. And we think, what is going on? I don't understand. Let me just summarize it up for you. He almost died because he didn't take this covenant, this command, seriously. He was supposed to take the lead as the husband and as the father of his child and circumcise his son. That's what he was supposed to do. For whatever reason, he hadn't done it yet, but he must have known he was supposed to do it, and I'll tell you why here in a second, but I want to make this point first. He was supposed to take the lead as the husband and as the father and walk in obedience to the Lord. Fathers, this is word for all of us. Husbands, this is word for all of us. We are actually supposed to take the lead when it comes to obeying the things of the Lord. What I don't mean is this. So now, therefore, you've got to go home 
And every night, you've got to have a one-hour Bible study with your children. And every day, you've got to command them to sit in their bed until they've prayed for 30 minutes. And, and also, don't forget to tell them to, to, to tuck their shirts in and, and wear a belt that matches their shoes and, and comb their hair over like that, because that's godly, and you've got to do, 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 do. I don't mean that. I don't mean all these rules that man puts upon you, especially in a lot of the old traditional churchy ways that we've seen over the years. I don't mean that. What I mean is this. You are supposed to be the example in your home of a person who loves God. That's all I mean. Your children should be able to look at you and say, my dad loves God. My dad loves Jesus, and I know that because look at his life. You're the example. That's what I'm saying. Are any of us perfect examples? No. But you've never heard this phrase before. You've never heard this phrase before. I know you haven't. When it comes to obedience, we don't walk in perfection. We walk in direction. I know you've never heard me say that before. Our perfection, our, our obedience is never in perfection, but it's in direction. And your children should see that about you, fathers and, and husbands. They should. What we see, unfortunately, because we men are built with two things within us naturally that are supposed to serve us well as men. There's this such thing called a good stubbornness, which we pervert and make a bad stubbornness. And then there's also this thing that's built within us to provide, and we overdo that by becoming workaholics. The good stubbornness is supposed to serve us well. It's supposed to serve us well. We're supposed to have this good stubbornness where I keep going to work even when I don't like it, but I'm going to keep doing it because this is what I'm supposed to do. And that good stubbornness has served us well when it comes to farming of old, too. It's like, boy, the crops were bad this year, but I'm going to keep trying. Boy, the hunt has produced nothing for the last 20 days. I haven't gotten a deer or a rabbit or anything, but I'm going to keep going. And oh, I finally got one. Now I can bring meat home to the family. See, that's the good stubbornness that God's put in us. But we pervert that, don't we? Men, we are stubborn, prideful, and we'll, do, and we'll, and we'll swing that over too, where I don't, I don't need any, I don't need God. I don't, I don't need your help. I don't need your help either, wife, or you, children. And we pervert it. And we carried that over into our work too. We just work, 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 work. We're supposed to provide. But we overdo that too. So I get it. I get it. I feel those things too. I've swung too far over in those areas myself. But husbands, just like Moses was supposed to lead out here in obedience and do what he knew he was supposed to do and circumcise his son, he didn't. And I think he knew he was supposed to, and I'll tell you why. I believe we can safely assume that he knew he was supposed to, because when the Lord comes to put Moses to death, what's the first thing Zipporah, his wife, does? Runs over and circumcises their boy. And God doesn't kill him. I think Zipporah was stepping back and saying, this is his job, he's supposed to do this, and so I'm not going to do it. And then when it, it really came down to it, she was like, okay, I'll do it. Let's not make our wives do that, husbands. Let's not make our wives do that. Let's not make our wives walk in, walk in obedience with the family for us, okay? Let's, let's leave. I'm saying let's. I'm joining you, okay? 
I, I hope you guys can appreciate that about me because I've never tried to lord it over you guys. Like, I'm up here. If you could just get up to where Co and Ezel is, you'll be better. No, I, I actually, I had to apologize to Brian this morning for something because I was saying, I wish I was more like you in this area. I didn't do that a few nights ago, and I should have, and I'm sorry. And of course he said, you don't have to apologize, but I, there's some of you that I want to be like in more areas, right? I mean, that's how the body works. Thank you for the quote this morning, Butch. What a great quote. So, God took circumcision very seriously. He was ready to take Moses down for it because he didn't walk in obedience. Is there an area in your life, do you feel like maybe you've plateaued spiritually? Sometimes we kind of feel that way. Like maybe over the past month, maybe six months, year, maybe even two years, you feel like I've just sort of plateaued spiritually. I just feel like I'm not growing much anymore. Look for an area in your life that the Lord told you to walk in obedience to that you're still not walking in obedience to. You know that you know that you know. He pointed at something in your life and he either said, stop doing this or he has said, start doing this and you haven't walked in obedience to it yet. Congratulations, you found the problem. And you'll continue to plateau spiritually. Actually, Mark Mills taught me there's no neutral in the Christian life. He said, if you're in neutral, you're actually going backwards. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear what I said? Mark Mills taught me that. We need each other, guys. We need the body. We need the body. Circumcision was a command. God took the command seriously. Let's talk now about something Jews only according to the flesh. Some people ask me because they hear my name, which is Cohen. That's my middle name. But it's usually a last name among Jews. It's Kohane. It's very Jewish. It's a Jewish name, okay? So people have asked me, are you Jewish? And I've said before, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because <laughs> remember the song? We're sons of Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Jews according to the flesh. Jesus was speaking to a group of Jews once in the book of John who said this, we have Abraham as our father. John 8, verses 37 through 47. Look at this. Jesus speaking to a group of Jews, very Jewish Jews too. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Ooh, I don't ever want to hear that from the Lord. My word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen from my father, and you do what you have seen from your father. He elaborates on that later. They answered him, Abraham is our father. See, they were thinking, we're Jews. We have all the Jewish stuff about us. No doubt they were circumcised as well. They were proud of that. We have Abraham as our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me? A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God? This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. There was still to that day the rumor floating around about Jesus. We're not born of sexual immorality like you. Your mama was pregnant before mom and dad consummated. They were only betrothed. And your mama was pregnant. Remember that, Jesus? We do. You were born of sexual immorality. We weren't. 
still floating around. Still floating around. 30 years later, that rumor. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? You ever felt that way sometimes about people? Why aren't you understanding? It's because God's not opened their eyes to believe the light, the gospel, the glory of God yet. And the devil's blinding their minds. Why don't you understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now look at this, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. They were saying, we are Abraham's descendants. We have the circumcision. We have the law. We have the commands. We have the temple. We have Abraham as our father. God's even our father. And Jesus looks at him and says, actually, let me tell you who your dad is. Satan. You're not of God. You're of the devil. Talk about a scathing word. This is very similar to what Jeremiah was doing, saying. How? Well, because the people in Jeremiah's day were worshiping false gods, even though God sent them prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them and to educate them and to heal them and to correct them. They still went after the false gods. And here in Jesus' day, what do we have? People looking in the face of Jesus saying, you have a demon in you. Looking at Jesus, looking Jesus in the face and saying, nah, no, nah, I don't, I don't think so. No, not you. We say, what idiots, right, right? That's why I also I think it's strange when we can read the scriptures and say, no, I think my way is actually better. I think, I think I'm going to do what I want to do. I think this book, it's very old, and so therefore it's not relevant anymore. You know, my iPhone 4 that I had long ago is not relevant anymore because it's a few years old. So this is probably not relevant anymore either because old things just aren't relevant anymore. I think I know better. I think I know better. How's that working out for you? Paul also says that not all Israel is of Israel, which we'll see in a moment. Let me actually just point this out first. Circumcision was never just supposed to be physical. It was never just supposed to be physical. And you say, yeah, Paul makes that clear in the New Testament, Cohen, like you're about to point out. Yes, he does. Very clear. But did you know it was also mentioned in the Old Testament first? Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 17. The Jews already knew that this isn't just supposed to be physical. He, he drops a hint here. 
that it's to point to something else. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Do you see that? A friend of mine of old used to make fun of the commandments. He said, yeah, thou shalt not have fun. Ha, ha, ha. Well, that's what we feel like when we're sinners, when our appetite for sin is all that we've got, yeah, sin tastes really good. But the commandments of God are actually for our good, he says here. They're for your good. 14, verse 14 of Deuteronomy 10. Behold, to the Lord your God, I'm sorry, yes. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. He's saying, I own everything. It's all mine. Yet, the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You, above all peoples, as you are this day, verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. and Be no longer stubborn, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who's not partial and takes no bribe. He already showed them circumcision is meant to point to something else, to the heart. He says, circumcise your heart. Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one inwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. Sons of Abraham, anyone who believes. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Jews are not just Jews outwardly. Children of God are those who have been changed inwardly, who have had the old flesh removed inwardly. That's what it's pointed to all along. Which is why Jesus could be sitting on a rooftop at night and say to a very Jewish Jew, Nicodemus, who was also a Pharisee. That's why Jesus could say to him, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit, not just physically. You have to be born of God. And that's what he says to all of us. We must be born again. Do you have a sign, but not what it signifies? Is there anything in your life? Do you have a sign, but not actually the thing that that sign signifies? What do I mean? What do I mean? Well, some examples might be this. Do you have the sign of walking the aisle and kneeling in prayer, but not what that actually signifies, which would be a life truly surrendered? Do you have the sign of having prayed the sinner's prayer, but not actually what it signifies, a life of repentance? Do you have the sign of baptism, but not what it actually signifies, that you've died to your old self and you've been raised up to newness of life in Christ? Do you have the sign of taking the Lord's Supper, coming down and partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, but not what it actually signifies, that Christ took God's wrath on your behalf 
and that you've consumed Christ by faith as you consume the bread and the fruit of the vine. Are you like the Jews who have the sign but not what it signifies? That's what we've got to answer, just like they had to answer. Because these signs are not an excuse for any wickedness, and they don't cover any wickedness. The only thing that covers wickedness is faith in what Jesus Christ did for sinners. Because his sacrifice is the only sacrifice that God receives as payment for sinners because he was a sinless sacrifice for sinners like us. He's the one who perfectly kept God's law. These Jews were looking at one command, circumcision, and thinking, well, because we have that, it doesn't matter what else we do because we have the sign of the covenant. If you break one of God's laws, you're guilty of all, the Bible says. But not Jesus. He perfectly kept the law on our behalf. So if by faith we're in him, we become law keepers as he is. Isn't that wonderful? God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When God looks upon his children, he looks through Christ's glasses. Righteous. He sees you as righteous. If you're in him by faith, if you're trusting in what Jesus did, not in your baptism, not in coming to the altar, not in saying a sinner's prayer, if you're, if you're thinking in your mind, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I did X, Y, or Z, and it's not, well, I know I'm going to heaven because Jesus died in my place. And of course, yes, you have to put faith and trust in that, 100%. But that, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. It's powerful, it's true, it's rich, and it's good. And I pray, Lord, that you would please help us not to become like the Jews and trust on any sign and yet lack what the sign signifies. Lord, I pray that you would please help us to only trust in the cross, as we sang, Lord, earlier, that our wealth, all of our wealth, is only in the cross of Christ. We're trusting in him alone, and we're walking by faith, after we've been saved, in him alone, to help us be like your dear son here on planet Earth until you come again and receive us into your kingdom. Lord, give us grace to stand on this truth, to love this truth, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, to live this truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing once again together?